0: What's good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast on Tuesday, the 24th of May, brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, EPL25, to get 25% off the hardware or software packages the software package is instant download to your devices get using straight away the hardware package is a router sent out to you shipping worldwide get using get watching and keep that data safe we're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do check out the EPL index and Anfield index shops which you can find on Etsy, use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off your merchandise needs at checkout. Radio folks, uh, it is a Tuesday, not anything happening of course because the season is over. So today we're going to be handing out some grades, picking some teams of the season and having a little look at the England squad which has just been announced. So Let's jump in. We'll start at the top. We'll start with Manchester City. It has to be an A. You've won the Premier League title. It has to be an A. There's no other way around it. We're basing this solely on domestic football. Not taking into account anything in Europe. It has to be an A for Manchester City. A fourth title in five years for Pep Guardiola. A sixth title of the Premier League era for City. This has been their decade, and they show no signs of slowing up. They've got Erling Haaland to come. It's an exciting time to be a Manchester City fan. For Liverpool, it's also an A. Second in the league, ninety-two points, only one off City. Won both domestic cups. It can be nothing other than an A. This has been an that outsta- excuse me, an outstanding season for Liverpool. They carried hopes of a domestic treble to the final day of the Premier League season. They carried hopes of an unprecedented quadruple to the final day. The level of consistency that requires is unlike anything we've ever seen. Nobody has ever done that before. And you can scoff and laugh at the fact that Liverpool didn't win the title all you want. The bottom line is your club never got that far with a quadruple. Nobody ever has before. It's a great achievement. They obviously have to finish off the Champions League side of things on Saturday in Paris. But from a domestic point of view, to get 92 points, finish one off the top and win both Cups, that's an A season without question. Chelsea, this is a more difficult one because they did get to two Cup Finals. They lost both of them on penalties. It's still impressive to get to two Cup Finals. But to finish 19 points off the top of the league, that's where you really have to knock them down. This Chelsea side should have been good enough to challenge for the Premier League title. They should have been good enough to at least bring a title challenge into April. But that wasn't the case for them this season. They'll be disappointed. They've got a lot of work to do this summer. We know Rudiger's going. We know Christensen is going. There will be others who leave as well. We know the Abramovich era has come to an end. We may see a Chelsea team that's more likable in the future if they start to promote from their own academy. I've been over the academy names before. They could have put together an outstanding team from their own academy over the last few years. One that may well be as good, if not better, than what they currently have after spending all the money. Todd Bowley and his group are going to bring a new approach to Chelsea, one that's more analytics-based, one that's more sustainable, one that requires the club to operate within their own means and not rely on a sugar daddy to constantly bail them out. It'll be the first time since at least the 70s that Chelsea will have been a financially viable organisation. Think about that. 50 years of Chelsea running at a loss. That's something that needs to change, and it will change under these new owners. And I think there will be more focus on the academy. I think they'll rein back in the spending. They'll bring that wage bill right the way down. And they'll try and build back better. For this season, though, I think it's a C. I do. I think when you finish 19 points off the top, when you're carrying that level of expectation, like put it this way, if Roman wasn't going, if this hadn't happened, I think Thomas Tuchel will be fired this summer. I think that will be the outcome. Because Roman's standards and his demands and expectations were so high. Now, I wouldn't sack Tuchel. I think he's an excellent manager. But I think Roman would, because he sacked managers for less. And it doesn't matter that he won the Champions League last year. He sacked Roberto Di Matteo five months after he won the Champions League. He sacked Andre Villas-Boas seven months after giving him a £35 million contract and paying a £13 million buyout for him, I think he'd sack him. But I'm going to go with a C for Chelsea on this season. For Tottenham, it's a B. Their fans will feel like it's an A, and in many ways, maybe it should be. They've gotten back into top four. They have finished there above Arsenal, which I think is a little added bonus for them. But we have to base this on the entire season. The fact is they lost 11 games. They lost a lot of poor games. They were inconsistent for large stretches, even under Antonio Conte. A big part of that, obviously, was Harry Kane deciding to not bother playing until Christmas time. But I think overall, you'd give them a B. They've gotten back into the Champions League for the first time since 2019. And I think... um, up 2018-19. And I think that's that's a fair achievement in itself. Arsenal, I think it's a C. Now, there has been some progress this season. There's no way to deny that. And it should be a B. But they lost 13 games and they bottled the Champions League spot when it was theirs for the taking. They should be going to Newcastle And getting a result. They shouldn't be losing. They've had really poor form against the good clubs this season. Now, I know at the end of the season they did beat Chelsea, they did beat United, but go back before that and it wasn't pretty. They represented something of a flat track bully this season. There was a distinct lack of ability to come from behind, they showed very little fight. Very little determination. There was very little leadership in the team. No real direction. I think a lot of that goes on Arteta. Uh, He seemed to move out a lot of the stronger characters out of the team, Uh, which is, funnily enough, I think it was Patrice Everett said that Pep doesn't like powerful characters. I think that's inaccurate regarding Pep. I think it's very accurate regarding Arteta. It's not something you can massively blame him for because he's a young manager trying to prove himself. He doesn't want to be shouted down by you know senior players in the dressing room. He'd prefer to have a dressing room. He can control that bit more. But my biggest issue with them this season was when I saw them play with a week's rest and a week to prepare, they looked really good as long as things went to plan, as long as they went in front and stayed in front. When they went behind, they struggled. And when they played on shortened rest and didn't have that extra time to prepare for games, they really didn't look like a cohesive unit. What are they going to look like next season when they've got Europa League into the mix? I think it's going to be disappointing for them. So I'm going to go for a C. Uh, For United, look, they finished sixth, but they bought Varane, Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo in the summer. They were touted as title, not favourites, but contenders. This is the worst season they've had in the Premier League. I think this is an F season. I think this is an F season. I think it's terrible for them. Uh, Moving on to West Ham. Again, it's domestic only. I'm not factoring in European competition here. But I think for West Ham to finish in the top seven again, for West Ham to get European competition again, I think that's a really progressive season for them. I think they've shown they can consolidate the form they've displayed last year. Being able to do it while also carrying on a European campaign is very impressive to me, especially with that smaller squad. And it was that smaller squad that cost them a higher finish in the season. There's no way Arsenal have been 13 points better than West Ham over the course of the season. There's absolutely no way Manchester United have been better than West Ham over the course of the season, but West Ham's smaller squad caught up with them and they lost some games that they really shouldn't have. It is 14 defeats on the season. So I'm going to go for a B- minus here because I, I am still impressed by what they've accomplished this season. I am still impressed by the fact that West Ham have not just, you know, had that one season last year of getting European football and then falling off as we've seen other teams do in the past. They've proven it wasn't a flash in the pan I think they're going to get even better next season. I can see already the types of moves they're looking to make to consolidate what they have and be able to push on two fronts. I'm making them my favourites already to win the Conference League next season. And I think they should be able to repeat this next season and maintain themselves as a top seven, eight, top eight team. I'd expect one or two others to start pushing up into that or, or in Leicester's case to push back up into that but I still think West Ham will be in that mix for European competition. But uh, this season, I'm going to give them a B-. minus. Uh, for Leicester, they finished this season well, three wins of the last four, but eighth is just not a representation of what they were in the league this year. Only 14 wins, 59 goals conceded. Very, very disappointing season from a team that should have gotten Champions League the two previous seasons. Brendan Rodgers might be very lucky that they had that little resurgence at the end of the season. I think that might have saved his job. I think it's a minus. C-. Don't be too harsh on them. They're still Leicester City. It's not like it's Chelsea or or Liverpool finishing down there. They're still Leicester City. But that eighth-place finish doesn't represent the talent that they have at their disposal. I think they've got a big job on this summer. Uh, I'll go C-. For Brighton to get a top-half finish is the accomplishment of a stated goal. It's something they've wanted to achieve since coming up into division. It's something they've wanted to be able to prove that they can do on what is quite a strict budget at a smaller club. I think any time one of the smaller clubs like them or when Burnley did it, managed to get a top-half finish... You have to give them a lot of praise. So I'm going to go A minus. I know it's. you have to remember it's, it's relative to expectation, budget, club size. So Brighton finishing ninth for them is the same as City finishing top. Like, any season City don't finish top is a disappointment for them. For Brighton, every season they survive is a success. That's The difference between the two clubs, I think, getting ninth is an A for Brighton. Uh, Wolves, their season was looking like it could be an A. New manager, didn't spend much money in the summer. Lack of goal scorers, the Jimenez injury and him coming back from that. There was a lot of question marks over them. I saw quite a few predictors had them in the relegation spots. I thought they'd struggle this season, but Bruno Lange did an amazing job. And I think for probably three-fifths of the season, it was an A job. The last two-fifths of the season haven't been as impressive, and certainly the last fifth of the season has been really poor from them. But overall, I still think it's a B. I still think them finishing top half is a good return. Hopefully, they'll invest now this summer. There's a little less uncertainty in the world from a financial point of view, and hopefully those owners will be willing to invest again in the team, back someone who I think is an excellent manager and really has a chance to build something there if they're willing to put the finances in place. I'll go for a B for Wolves. Uh, Newcastle, it's an A for the Eddie Howe point in time because of what he was able to accomplish and the results that they achieved. Uh, I think to finish 11th, only two points out of the top half, considering where they were before he took over, even where they were at the start of January, because I didn't think the January window would even save them. I thought they'd still go down. So massively wrong on them, obviously. The Steve Bruce period of time, I would say, was an F. Eddie Howe, from when he took over till January, probably a D. I think Eddie Howe since January is is an A. So overall, we'll go with a B on the season. I, I think, given, no, that's it's it's a bit it's a bit too generous. I'll give it a C. I'll give it a C. They spend a lot of money as well, so I think I'll give it a C. Um, Palace. This is a tough one because they finished twelfth, but I think when you factor everything in new manager, new approach, big squad turnover, a much younger team than what we've seen from Crystal Palace in recent years. I do think it's an A season. And I think the end of the season on a bit of a high. Now, I am going to dock them down to a B on account of my bias and them losing to Everton is an outrage. So I'm docking them down to a B. Having been 2-0 up, you're getting a B. But still, very, very good season for Palace. Brentford is an A. It can't be anything else. For them to stay up was success. For them to finish 13th and not be in the relegation scrap for the last few weeks, to finish 11 points clear of that of that relegation spot, I think that's a great achievement for them. Um, they've got work to do this summer, obviously, and they're going to want to keep Ericsson. I think they have to keep Ericsson. Hopefully, he stays there. I really want him to stay there, but it's an A season without question. Uh, for Villa, it's a D. It's a D. It's a disappointing season for Villa. 19 defeats is unacceptable. 14th is unacceptable, given the money that was spent. They made the big change in, in sacking Dean Smith and bringing in Gerard. It didn't really work. Now, you're going to give Gerard the benefit of the doubt. You want to give him a pre-season season you want to give him a summer transfer window to shape the squad more to what he wants because him and Dean Smith have very different ideas about how the game should be played. But I think overall, thus far, it's it it's not looking magnificent under Gerard. The Bubakar Kamara signing is massive. He is an outstanding holding midfielder who will be a great addition for them, and I would say is immediately the best player they have at the club. Um getting Coutinho in on a permanent deal. He had flashes of the old Coutinho and the challenge for Gerard and his coaching staff will be, get, will be to get more of those from him. And if they do, they will climb the table steadily. So I think overall it's a D. It's a disappointing season for Villa. Uh, Southampton, it's a C. It's Look, it's survival, and that is the primary goal when you're one of the smaller clubs in the league, and especially club like Southampton that have had a bit of an up-and-down relationship with the Premier League over the last 20 years. But I do think they've let themselves down at times. Defensively, they were just so poor, and there's a lot of talent there. I think Hassan Hootl needs more backing. He does need to be questioned as well. There's been some very curious decisions that he's made along the way, but I do think it comes down to backing. They need to put a little bit more money behind him and allow him to fill that squad out and and not be relying on Shane Long or Theo Walcott or I know he scored recently, but Nathan Redmond. I mean, these guys aren't Premier League footballers anymore. And... That's something they need to address this summer. I'll give them a C for the season. Everton is an F. Uh, When you spend that much money and you're that bad, it is an F. You have lost 21 games this season. You conceded 66 goals. That is disgusting, quite frankly. With the amount of money spent, that is ridiculous. Uh, Massive failures all round at Everton. And more pain incoming, by the sounds of things. This Burnley lawsuit doesn't sound like it's going to go away. It sounds like it's just going to ramp up. And they are facing a penalty, uh, a points deduction, to start next season. There's also the likelihood that Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin leave. And they probably won't be able to spend much of that money because they may get a transfer embargo from the Premier League as well because of their financial wrongdoings. So, it's an F for Everton, and there's probably a bit more pain to come. Uh, Leeds, I I don't even know how to judge this one, because they stayed up. So, you know, second season syndrome, absolutely a real thing. They look dead and buried at different points in the year. They've had horrific luck with injuries. But the product on the field was terrible. They lost 18 games. They conceded 79 goals. To concede 79 goals and stay in the division is miraculous, but also appalling. If you're conceding more than two goals per game, something is drastically wrong with your football club. But they did stay in the division, and that was the only thing that mattered to them. It's not like an Everton situation where Everton have never been relegated from the Premier League. It's not like an Aston Villa situation where they're in year three and they've spent a ton of money. Now, Leeds have spent a significant amount of money, but not to the level of Villa, and they don't have the level of expectation of Villa, and they're also a year behind Villa in that development. Last season, they obviously finished... Comfortably clear They finished in ninth last season It was an outstanding year for them This season they have gone backwards I'm still going to give them a C Because it's survival That's all that really comes down to Is survival In your first two seasons in the Premier League If you can survive both of them Then You are establishing yourself We saw Sheffield United Do what Leeds did in their first season up And then Crater in their second season it looked like Leeds were going to do the same thing this year, but they managed to get themselves out of it, and they did it by winning on the final day of the season. So that matters to me. If your players can show up when it really, really matters, I think that's something you can you can take to the bank and build from. Um, Burnley, they've gone down, so it's an F. It, it just is. Um, they were failed by ownership. the The manager was failed by ownership last summer he was failed by ownership in January it sounds like things are going to get quite hairy at Burnley as well I saw was it Chris Bowden the Burnley reporter today reporting that um reporting that the, the new ownership, I want to find this tweet, um, did an interview where they talked about how they bought the club and basically made themselves out as if they were the smartest guys in the room. Where is this now? Seems like Niko Kovac has been linked as a replacement. Okay, so here's the here's the quotes. Is this it? No, that's not it. The way we have done this, I'm absolutely positively certain it has never been done in the same way before and has everything to do with making the fan base comfortable that this is the most sustainable form of what we could have done. Like they put 80 million of debt onto a club that were previously debt-free. That's not sustainable. Buying the club out of your own money, that would have been sustainable. But it's an F overall for Burnley. It's an F for Watford and it's an F for Norwich. And there's nothing more to be said about either of them. They both were appalling for most of the season. And um, the Premier League as well shot at them for another year. But they'll be back. They'll be back. Don't you worry. Uh, Team of the year. Team of the year. So... I'm going to do three teams of the year. I'm going to do my team of the year. I'm going to do my non-top-four team of the year because, spoiler alert, my team of the year doesn't have anybody who didn't play for top-four club. And I'm going to do my worst team of the year, worst 11. So team of the year. Allison is my goalkeeper. I think over the course of the season, he was just the best keeper in the league. Jose Sa pushed him very, very close. For again, the first kind of three fifths, four fifths of the season, but fell off at the end. Whereas Allison was just miraculous throughout. Trent is the right back, there's absolutely no debate. Joe can say it was the left back again, there's no debate there. Center backs, I'm going Christian Romero of Spurs. I thought he was brilliant, I thought he was absolutely outstanding for them. And Virgil van Dijk, who returning from an ACL tear was the best defender in the league by a considerable distance, re establishing himself as the best defender in the world and is likely to be even better next season, you know, because that's a two year injury, really, to get back to your best level. Uh, In midfield, I'm going all Manchester City. I'm going De Bruyne, I'm going Rodri, and I'm going Bernardo Silva. I I don't actually think it's debatable. Uh, Fabinho had an excellent season for Liverpool but his level has dropped in the last six, seven weeks whereas Rodri I felt like really kicked on at the end of the season scored some big, big goals to help City clinch the title so Rodri Bernardo was the best midfielder in the league the first half of the season Kevin De Bruyne has been the best the second half of the season and I don't think anyone has consistently got consistently gotten to that level so they're my midfield in attack Salah is a no-brainer. He's been the best player in the league this season. Joint most goals, most assists. Young Min Son is absolutely in the team. What a player. Joint top goal scorer. He's He's been brilliant. And I've given a lot of thought on this third one. And I've seen people include Harry Kane in their teams of the year. And I, I just can't get there with it. I know he was good second half of the season, but he still had a number of games where he was really poor and he was terrible pre-Christmas. So I just can't put him in. I can't get there with Mason Mount either. Now, he is a midfielder, though he played in Chelsea's front three. But his stat padding against bad teams really hid what was overall, I felt like, a disappointing season. Phil Foden's the same. Very good player, but the same kind of situation. So it comes down to two. It comes down to Mane and Maris. I think it has to be Mane. because Mane's played most of his football through the middle, second half of the season. I think consistently he has been a match winner for Liverpool, whereas Mares tends to score when City are already 2-0 up. I think Marez does deserve mention, but I'm going to go with Mane. So I'm going Salah, Mane and Son as my front three, De Bruyne, Rodri and Bernardo as my midfield three, Trent, Romero, Van Dijk, and Canseo as my defence. And my goalkeeper will be Alisson Becker. So I've got five from Liverpool, four from City, and two from Spurs. And I just couldn't find a Chelsea player that I thought had a season that warranted inclusion. I know some people will say Rhys James, but he hasn't been better than Trent. Some people will say Rudiger. He hasn't been better than Virgil. Uh, some will say Mount. I, I just can't get there. I just There was too many games, too many big games where just wasn't a factor. Kovacic was wor- worthy of consideration for the first half of the season. But injuries, and I just think poor form in the second half of the season, cost him a spot. Kante didn't play enough. That's my issue there. Kante just didn't play enough. And there was nobody outside of the top four that I felt warranted being in over the players in my team of the year. So that's my team of the year. For my non-top four team of the year, um, Jose Sa is the goalkeeper. I I think he's been really, really good. Left back, I think Mark Cuccarella has been the standout for me. I think he's just had an excellent season. In that Brighton team, he's played left back, left wing back, left side of a back three. I think he played left wing in one game as well. Uh, just an excellent player who Brighton will probably get some offers for this summer, but I hope they can hang on to. At right back, I really wanted to pick Tommy Asu, but he missed so many games that I just felt like I couldn't really go with him. He had such a huge effect on that Arsenal team. From the minute he arrived, he was just outstanding, but he missed so many games. They just don't think it's right to put him in. So I'll go Nelson Semedo of Wolves. Not a spectacular player, but I think he's seven out of 10 most weeks. Uh, so I'll go with him. My centre-backs... I think Gabriel of Arsenal is is one. I know he's had a few kind of high-profile mistakes, but over the course of the season, I thought he did a really good job at steering that defence, at being a talker in the middle of it. And his passing out from the back is very, very good. Uh, I really like three quarters of that Arsenal defence. I think if Saliba came in next to him, it'd be very, very strong. Injuries could be an issue, but I think that could be a very strong defence. But I'll go Gabriel... And I'm going to go Kurt Zuma next to him because despite kicking a cat, I think Zuma had a really good season. Um, I thought he made a big, big difference for West Ham when he was available. And I, I do feel like Chelsea might have made a mistake in letting him go. I know he wanted to leave, but at the same time, now I think they take him back in a second. Uh, so I'll go with him as my second centre-back. Although Mark Gwehi really deserves mention here. Do you know what? I'm going to go Mark Gwehi. I'm going to go Gwehi over Zuma. Zuma did have some injury issues and missed some time. Gwehi was consistent for Palace the whole time, the whole season long. I'm going to go with Mark Gwehi. So I've got... um, I've got Semedo, Gwehi, Gabriel... And Cocarella as my defense, obviously, no brainer. Jose Sa in goal in midfield, Connor Gallagher is a no-brainer. He he had an outstanding campaign. Declan Rice is a no-brainer. He had an outstanding campaign. And for my third one, I think it has to be Ruben Neves. I think I'll go Neves sort of as the holder and Gallagher and Rice going box to box. I think that's good balance in the midfield as well, because I like to make these things as realistic as possible, unlike Gareth Crooks, who will throw players into random positions. I like to make these things as functional as possible. So I think that would be my midfield. Gallagher, Neves, and Rice. I think that's a strong midfield as well. Out front, Jared Bowen, I'm not a big fan, but he's had a very good season. I think you have to include him. I think James Madison has to be in. Let me see. Let me see. James Madison, James Madison, James Madison. 11-7 across the season. What was... Twelve and eight and thirty-five games in the Premier League, and he played twenty-four hundred minutes. Had some injury issues, and Rodgers was bringing him off the bench early in the year. But I think he has to be in. Now, obviously, he does predominantly play a bit deeper, but I think you go Bowen one side, Madison the other. And for my number nine, I'm going to go Ivan Tony. Because I feel like without him, Brentford would have been extremely easy to play against. All of the good stuff about their attack went through him. 12 goals and five assists on the season. Would easily have had double figures assists if Brian and Bomo had brought his shooting boots with him. Now, Tony himself should have scored a lot more goals as well. But I think I'm going to go with him. I'm not picking Cristiano. I'm not picking any United player because none of them deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. I know he scored goals, but look at the cost of the team. Look at the negative effect he had on the team so he could get his stats. It's tough to leave out Saka. It really is tough to leave out Saka, who had a brilliant season. Kyle Saka. It will be Saka or Bowen. Saka is clearly the better player. But Bowen had a very good season. Saka had 11 and 7 in just under 3,000 minutes. Bowen had 12, 12 and 12 in one minute less. It has to be Jared Bowen. I think Madison has to be in 12 and 8 in 2466 minutes. And I'm gonna go with Tony. So yeah, that's my that's my front three. Bowen, Tony, and Madison. I think that's a fairly strong attack. So that is my non-top four team of the season. Sass, Semedo, Guehi, Gabrielle, Cucurella, Gallagher. Neves, Rice, Bowen, Tony, and Madison. I think that's pretty strong. Uh, in terms of my worst 11 of the season, um, there's a lot of ways to go with this. So I could pick it just on the worst players or I could pick it on the most disappointing players. I think I'll try and do a bit of both. But it is largely going to comprise the teams at the bottom of the league, like it just is, because that's where most of the bad players have been this season. My goalkeeper can only be Tim Cruel. I just think he's been dreadful. And Burn Norwich rather have conceded eighty-four goals. Now I don't know he didn't play every game, but I do think he's been awful. So I'm going to go Tim Cruel. My right back is Luke Ailing. Absolutely shocking. Left back. Danny Rose would have been a strong contender because he was just so poor, but he didn't play enough really to qualify for this. I think I'll have to go Junior Firpo, who had a stinker of a season for Leeds. So both Leeds fullbacks are in. Um, At centre-back, Craig Cathcart. It has to be Craig Cathcart. And the other one, I'll go Ben Gibson. It probably Grant Hanley is worse than Ben Gibson, but Hanley probably had a slightly better season. I'll go Ben Gibson. So Cathcart and Gibson in midfield. uh, Roll up, roll up. Sissoko, terrible, absolutely terrible. What a shocking season. Um, I'm tempted to put Tom Cleverley in next to him, but Kuska was was just as bad. Um, so we'll go with Kushka and for the third midfielder. I think we'll go Alan. I think we'll go Alan. He had a really bad season, easily the worst of his career. So we'll go with Alan. Michael Keane probably deserves a nod at centre back, to be fair. We'll go Michael Keane over Ben Gibson. So cat Carton team as the centre-backs. Alan in central midfield um, next to the two Watford boys. Up front, I mean, I mean, Chris Wood had a shocker of a season. Even when he went to Newcastle, he had a shocker of a season. And this is someone that's actually a decent player uh five goals in 38 games. It is Chris Wood is the striker and playing either side of him I really want to put Richarlison in but he did score some big goals late in the season he had a dreadful season but he did score big goals late in the season so we leave him alone um Rodrigo of Leeds I think has to be here I think he has to be here and finally see I don't know that any of the Watford attackers were terrible I think he was really badly coached for most of the season I think most of them actually performed fairly well, their issues were more at the back um Norwich, I mean, you can't really. Pookie's the out and out striker they have. Sargent, Solis, a day. They're all very young. I thought Rashika did okay at times. Burnley. And Ashley Barnes had a bad season, but he was injured so much that it's harsh on him. Adam Armstrong did. Oh, that's a great shout. That is a great, great shout. Yeah, that's who we'll go with Adam Armstrong of Southampton. Absolutely shocking. Did he score this season? Did he get one? Now, they'll hope for a lot more from next season, but, I mean, when you pay $15 for a player and they get two goals in 23 games, uh, yeah, he's in. Adam Armstrong is the third attacker. So Adam Armstrong, Chris Wood and Rodrigo into the attack. Uh, For those keeping score... That is 40 plus 27, 67 million pounds worth of attackers uh, in that attack who managed. Well, to be fair, Rodrigo got six goals, but so many poor performances. Uh, they managed 11 goals between them. So, you know, a nice return on the 67 million. Um, so, that is my worst 11 of the year. And with that, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have a look at the England squad. We'll do the gossip and we're done. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, the England squad has been announced and... um, I have to say it's, uh, it's a rather curious squad. Really is a rather curious squad. So let's go through. Let's start with the goalkeepers, Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope and Aaron Ramsdale. Two of them had, well, Pope had a decent season. He just played in a bad team and they went down. Pickford had a bad season, but did turn it up at the end of the season. And Ramsdale, obviously, you know, kind of all fur coat, no knickers type of goalkeeper, but it did okay, did okay. So yeah, no real issue with the goalkeepers. Dean Henderson hasn't played enough, so there's nobody else really to put into that mix. In defence, he has picked the following right-backs. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Reese James, James Justin, Kieran Trippier, and Kyle Walker five right backs he's picked the following centre backs Conor Cody Mark Gwehi Harry Maguire John Stones Fikayo Tamore and Ben White and he hasn't picked any left backs at all not one not a single left back now Ben Chilwell is back from injury he's fit enough to play for Chelsea so he's fit enough to play for England but he's not in the squad. Uh, Luke Shaw is injured. But Aaron Cresswell could have got a call. Luke Thomas could have got a call. Tyreek Mitchell could have got a call. But instead he picked five right-backs. Now, I know James Justin has played at Rico Henry. Yeah, absolutely, Rico Henry could have got a call. Um, Matt Target could have got a call. He had a really good second half the season. Um, I know James Justin has played quite a bit of left back in his career, but he is a right back. Um, he's also not played a huge amount this past season, only 13 games in the Premier League. Not all of them starts. Now there's no bigger fan or promoter of James Justin propaganda than me, but that call seems a little bit strange. Um Trent had a great season Cody had a good season Gwehi had a very good season Reese, James, James had a good season Justin a mixed season as he worked his way back from a torn ACL but Harry Maguire had a terrible season John Stones can't get in City's best 11 Tamori had a great season Kieran Trippier missed most of the second half of the season Kyle Walker is injured and Ben White is he's Ben White Uh, I I think that defensive group is just poor from from Southgate. In midfield, he went Bellingham, Gallagher, Mount, Phillips, Rice, and Ward-Prowse. No Henderson is a bit of a surprise, but is warranted he hasn't had a good season. Now, he did say he spoke to him, and um, I don't need to know any more about him. So apparently he needs to know something about these players, uh, which is why he's picked them. He, he didn't pick Tyron Mings, which is, uh, you know, a good call. Uh, thankfully enough, he's finally left Mings out. But expect Mings back in the next squad, despite the fact that Tamori has been monstrous for, for Milan and should actually be starting for England. Um, yeah, the midfield group is strong. There's nobody really that... It seems like they're missing who deserves to be in. James Madison, perhaps you could make the case. Uh, but he's not really a he's not really a Southgate type of midfielder. Um the attackers, then he's gone Tammy Abraham, Jared Bone, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Bakayo Saka, and Raheem Sterling. No Calvert Lewin, a bit of a surprise. But I do think he's got mostly the right group. Kane, for sure. Tammy, for sure. Saka and Bowen. Sterling and Foden. And Grealish. I mean, how is Madison not in over Grealish? Uh, how is that something that's happened this season? Madison's had a really good season. Grealish had a really poor season. They play similar enough positions, similar enough styles. If you're picking Grealish, you should have picked Madison. So that should have been Madison's spot there. Um, but, you know, Southgate is just a, a strange individual. We'll finish up with the gossip. Overall, overall, not an overly offensive squad, but the lack of left backs, the inclusion of players that have had bad seasons and players that can't get in their own club's first team uh, is a bit bizarre. It is a bit bizarre, but, you know, always a heavy bias towards the big English clubs from Southgate. Maybe it's because he didn't get to play for any of them. I played for Villa. That's the biggest club he played for. Um, we'll do the gossip. Real Madrid want to sign Raheem Sterling after being snubbed by Kylian Mbappe. Makes sense. If, if he does want to leave, he'd certainly fit in well on the right side of their attack. Mbappe says he spoke to Liverpool over a potential transfer before deciding to stay with French champions PSG. He has a relationship with Klopp that dates back to when he was at Monaco and Liverpool tried to sign him then. I think they've just always sort of kept in contact. I wouldn't imagine Liverpool were ever seriously in the mix to sign him this time, but I would say him and Klopp probably had a conversation. Uh, Leeds and England midfielder Calvin Phillips has emerged as Manchester City's top summer target as they look to replace Fernandinho. I mean, he's a very, very good player. I do sort of expect him to stay at Leeds now, though. Tottenham will rival Arsenal to sign Gabriel Jesus. They've been looking for a backup nine for a long time. He can play there, he can play wide. So he'd make sense as a squad addition for them. Uh, Tottenham are closing in on signing Fraser Forster on a free transfer. If he's your third choice keeper, it's fine. Anything more than that is too much. Eric Ten Hag has made it clear. That he wants Cristiano Ronaldo to remain for another season. I mean, you might as well get your excuses in early. That's all I can really say there. Um, Leicester and Belgium midfielder Yuri Thielemans is one of Mikel Arteta's top targets. We had that yesterday. Arsenal will try to sell as many as seven first-team players. The, the best of luck to them. Um they're gonna have. Such a small squad, and they're going to need to bring in so many new players. It will be ridiculous. Leeds are set to sign Brendan Aronson. We know that one. Juventus have stepped up their attempts to sign Gabriel from Arsenal. News today, he's not going anywhere. Luciano Spalletti says the club cannot afford to sell Caledou Coulibaly. I do think he's going to end up at Chelsea. I think he might be their splash this summer. Um, Patrick Vieira says Crystal Palace would love to bring Conor Gallagher back. I'd imagine they would. Marcus Alonso will ask to leave Chelsea, he is in agreement in place at Barcelona. Everton and Leicester want to sign James Tarkovsky, so do West Ham and I believe Villa. Uh, Everton have offered him 120,000 a week. If he's any sense, he says no. Newcastle are monitoring Ren and Lodi. I mean, this one's been linked for a while, so it wouldn't surprise me. Andreas Christensen will be announced the Barcelona player in the next few days. Makes sense. Very good signing for them on a free transfer. Uh, Christian Eriksen has been approached by three Premier League clubs with his contract at Brentford set to end. I really hope he stays there. David Moyes has hinted us at a significant summer overhaul despite their encouraging season. That's not really what he hinted at. He more hinted at you know doing quite a bit of business and getting a number of players in, but you do you. Uh, we'll leave it at that for today, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.